What's up, nerds? Thanks for being here. Today, I chat with my friend, Dr. Matt Millsap, who teaches at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. We talk about some of his recent work, the challenge and reward of engaging popular culture in video games, and some of our formative experiences with theology and gaming. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for being here. Uh, Today we're going to discuss some of your work in systematic theology and theological engagement with popular culture. Uh, But first, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do uh, at Midwestern. Sure, thanks. So my name is Matt Millsap. I am a the director of library services at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. That's my primary role, but then I'm also an associate professor of Christian studies there as well. Uh, so I teach courses in addition to um, you know my responsibilities in the library. On the teaching side, primarily most of my teaching is in the uh, Spurgeon College level, which is our college that's attached to the seminary. And so uh, my courses I mean, they they run the gamut from Christian doctrine all the way to uh, Christianity and the arts to Christian political thought. And uh, then I also co-teach some Ph.D. seminars with some of my colleagues uh, as well in the at the seminary level. Okay, great. We're going to talk about kind of the uh, theological engagement uh, with popular culture. Uh, But you did your dissertation on a theological study of video games. So let's start by how did you tackle this subject? And um, like in our climate, like what do you think justifies this type of study or this area of study? Like we'll just start there. Yeah, so I've always been interested in the relationship between theology and popular culture. ever since my, you know, my earliest days in seminary as an MDiv student. And that was even prior to knowing that I was going to end up pursuing a PhD. So uh, once I had gotten into the PhD program and was majoring in systematic theology, I, I kind of knew that I wanted to go the direction of theological engagement with popular culture in, in some fashion. I didn't know exactly um, what that would look like or where that would ultimately end up, but I knew that I wanted to, to write um, in that area for my dissertation. So over the course of um, just my, my general engagement with theology and popular culture from the MDiv level all the way up into the PhD, um, I had read, you know, a number of, of different volumes and, uh, you know, just countless articles as well as um, even, you know, more popular level stuff on, on the internet. And what I found was a lot of theological engagement with other areas of popular culture, but seemingly little to no theological engagement with video games, which I thought was very interesting because it seemed like sort of a a lacuna, if you will, that was present there where it was like, okay, you know, here's theological interaction with literature. Here's theological interaction with movies. Here's theological interaction with music, with TV shows and the like. But there was very little theological interaction with with video games outside of, I would say, more so the popular level, where you had individuals who say were were very into to video games, but who were also Christians who were kind of trying to mm-hmm. engage them from a Christian perspective, although not necessarily an explicitly theological one. So as I was kind of going through the literature and working my way through there, I was like, okay, this is interesting that there's there's this gap present, and you know, I don't know why it is. 
that there's little theological interaction with video games, but I kind of wanted to, to find out and figure out, okay, you know, is there a reason behind this? Is it just a lack of familiarity? What does that look like? And over the course of, of doing so and kind of working my way through some of the very limited literature that was there where you did have some theological interaction with video games on the academic level, although it was, you know, very limited, very few and far between, um, I couldn't really pin down a reason as to why there was that lack of engagement. But um, part of what I realized is that there, there did not seem to be um, sort of a, a systematic uh, method, if you will, to how to approach video games theologically. So as I was thinking through potential dissertation topics, I thought to myself, you know, okay, well, what if I were to say, propose some type of a framework for how one might engage video games from a theological perspective? And so as I began to kind of think through that and process that, I decided that that might be a potential um, direction to go, although I wasn't all that one, you know, like 100% certain because I didn't know how my supervisor uh, yeah. was going to react to that or, or anyone else who was involved, you know, as far as like on the committee level of having to approve my prospectus. Yeah, so like, I was like, you know, I was a little bit trepidatious in terms of proposing that. And, uh, you know, I didn't know exactly how how that was going to be received. Yeah, they're going to be like, uh, you want to do what? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So it was actually in, in conversation with, um, I, I originally sort of broached the idea with John Mark Yates, who um, is uh, the dean of students here at Midwestern now, but at that time was a professor at Southwestern. And he was my minor supervisor because my, my minor in the program was church history and historical theology. And so um, I'd already developed a relationship with Dr. Yates kind of over the years, a friendship. And we were both into a lot of similar things in terms of popular culture, uh, although he wasn't necessarily someone who played um, video games all that much. But I, I just thought, you know, well, maybe I should just talk to him and see kind of what he thinks is in terms of initial thoughts, is this a viable topic? You know, is this something that's going to get shot down and I just need to, to think of something else? So when I um, sort of broached the idea with him, he was very supportive of it. And it's like, you know, I think this is, is a great topic. It's probably going to take some convincing of, of other people in the, in the department. But I think, you know, it's something that you would be able to pull off if you were able to put together, you know, a, a good enough prospectus that shows mm -hmm. that there's viability here. So after that, I talked to my major supervisor, who was uh, Dr. Gerardo Alfaro, uh, who's now at Dallas Theological Seminary. And he thought it was a great idea, too, although he admitted that he had didn't have a whole lot of familiarity with theology and popular culture or theology and, and games uh, specifically. And so um, he recommended that I talk to Dr. Mark Leeds and Dr. Yates uh, recommended that I talk to Dr. Mark Leeds as well, who is the um, the registrar there at Southwestern at that time, who's now at Cedarville University right. with, with you. And so um, Dr. Leeds, he was, he has quite, you know, had quite a bit of uh, knowledge regarding video games, and he had done his PhD in systematic theology at Southeastern Seminary, writing on the role of the imagination in theology. Uh, and so there was kind of sort of a natural fit, if you will, for him to supervise the dissertation, if that's the direction that we were going to go. So then we kind of began working through that process there. I met with him, approached him with the idea. Um, I began to put together pr the prospectus and receive feedback from him, as well as from Dr. Alfaro and, and Dr. Yates. And things just kind of went from, from there, trying to build the case for why this was a viable topic and, and why 
uh, a dissertation on it was needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And you kind of walk through some of the challenges of doing academic work on popular culture, but also academic work in theological studies, uh, some unique challenges uh, and unique opportunities as well. Um, and when we're thinking about like going to like a doctoral level or a higher, uh, you know, level of engagement with something, one of the things we have to find is dialogue partners in like, uh, inter, you know, something interdisciplinary, uh, other fields. So what would you say, what are some of those uh, other fields or disciplines and dialogue partners that helped you uh, see that the study of video games would be viable at the academic level? Yeah, so really that that boils down to to game studies as an academic discipline. So fairly early on in the process, I realized that there was an entire body of literature, an entire field of study out there academically that would be my dialogue partner um, in the dissertation itself. And that's that's game studies. And so game studies has um, pretty lengthy history, goes back to roughly about 2000, 2001 is when things started to really take off at the more formal level in terms of developing it as an academic discipline. And uh, essentially what it is, is it's it's the study of, of games. Now, game game studies, strictly speaking, does not necessarily mean just video games. Um, it means the study of games in general, although game studies used more so now than than previously it pertains mostly to video games now just simply because mm -hmm. of their their cultural prominence so um i knew game studies was going to be you know a discipline that i was going to have to interact with and, and what's interesting is you know I've, I've told people who have asked about my dissertation um subsequently th these being say like students in in phd seminars at midwestern or anything who, who are like what you know you wrote your dissertation on theology and video games you know tell mm -hmm. me more about that that kind of thing you know, I tell them the truth about that, which was that I actually created sort of more or less double the work for myself because I had to to build enough familiarity with game studies as an academic discipline and build enough familiarity with game studies literature to be able to speak competently about it within within the dissertation itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, aside from having the competence on the theological level, it was also necessary to develop that competence on on the game studies level as well. And mm -hmm. so in order to actually take those two and have them interact with each, each other at, you know, the high enough academic level that you would expect within, uh, you know, a dissertation, a PhD dissertation, I had to develop, you know, a lot of familiarity there and, and work through a lot of that literature, which was a very time consuming process and, you know, made my, uh, my entire time in the PhD program extend well beyond what <laughs> I had originally, <laughs> originally intended. Yes. So, I mean, it all worked out, but in retrospect, it's like, was that the the smartest idea to yeah. get through the program as quickly as possible. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, that's uh, uh, the way that you talked about uh, here as well. Like um, when you're talking about theology and prolegomena, uh, there's a huge discussion that uh, is the you know prior question of what is theology. And so when you think about how how would you study game study? Well, there's this like long uh, long standing debate about what is a game. Right. So it's just as, uh, you know, it can it can be just as pedantic definitionally as uh, theology. What is theology? What is a game? And then how might those uh, relate? Because in game studies, it, correct me if I'm wrong, too, that there's not only the theoretical discussion, but there's also a discussion about 
how does the study of games relate to the actual playing of games themselves like the experience of playing a game versus studying a game we have that same uh constant dialogue in theology about studying theology and then doing theology in the life of the churches it's just kind of a uh, uh parallel set of challenges and opportunities right yeah absolutely so i mean the, you run into the internal debates there like you mentioned that are present um, similar to ones that you have, you know, on a theological level and in, in, in game studies, the two uh, main debates historically were what is a game in the first place, which you referenced, mm -hmm. and as well as, um, like you said, the, the difference between studying a game versus playing a game, but then also um, ludological versus narratological approaches to games. So, you know, in other words, games that have narratives that are part of the game itself. Should you approach that primarily from a narrative perspective or primarily from a, a game perspective, you know, and analyzing the mechanics and things like that. So those, you know, are debates within game studies that have had to have been worked out over the past couple of decades as, as scholars have been interacting with one another in those areas and, um, you know, debates that I had to reference in the dissertation itself. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before. Um, and, you know, a lot of our conversations kind of swirl around this uh, topic, too. But you mentioned both like the gameplay mechanics uh, versus the story and narrative. Um, what what are some which of those do you gravitate towards personally? And then when you're thinking about studying and then the engaging games theologically, um, which of those do you think is most prominent or how do you how do you think they interact with one another? Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because I, I do think, you know, I agree as far as, you know, the, the debate that was uh, conducted over that within game studies as an academic discipline. I mean, I do agree that games have to be considered games first and, and foremost. I don't view it from the perspective that a narrative is something that's just simply slapped on top of a game, uh, although that can be the case. And there are some games out there that are like that. But in the in an instance where you have a game where the narrative is wedded with the game mechanics very well, it still is first and foremost a game in that it has rules that have to be followed mm -hmm. and it has to be played in order for there to be any meaning behind it, right? If it's if it's just the code that's simply sitting there and no one's interacting with it, then the meaning of the game itself can't be conveyed to the person who's going to be participating in that narrative. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, um, you know, I, I, I kind of view that from both perspectives at the same time while leaning a little bit more towards the game studies um, side of, of viewing it in terms of it being a game first and foremost with controls, with mechanics, with rules, that then you can find interesting ways to wed the narrative into that so that it doesn't feel like it's just something that's simply slapped on top of it. So right. by way of example, you know, if this if this helps for anyone who's listening to the podcast, if you think of say like the original Super Mario Brothers game, right? The basic mechanics are you have this this little guy, Mario, right? And he's he's running in the world and he's jumping and he's hitting the blocks and getting power up mushrooms and stomping on Koopas and Goombas or whatever. And the, the narrative that's sort of slapped on top of that is, oh, well, you know, he's here to rescue a princess yeah. who has been kidnapped by, you know, this uh, mutant turtle kind of thing <laughs> named yeah. Bowser. So, so, I mean, there's, there's this narrative component to it, right? But the narrative is not really the focus of the game and the narrative is not even really the meaning of the game. 
because mm-hmm. the basic gameplay mechanic is you're running through these worlds trying to make your way through you know these platforming elements to to get to the end and accomplish the goal of defeating bowser and, and saving the princess so the narrative is more or less just something that's kind of like slapped on top of that right you could mm-hmm. you could basically take in just about any narrative and put it on top of those game mechanics and still had roughly the the same game yeah. whereas in more modern as you know video games have developed technologically and um, game developers have sort of um, innovated in terms of what they've done with games and what they intend games to be and the meanings that they intend to be communicated through the games themselves you find now sort of a much more cohesive melding of narrative and mechanics together such that the mechanics go so well within the narrative that you understand that the narrative is um what's the word i'm looking for i guess kind of essential to the game itself you can't just simply Mm -hmm. take those mechanics and divorce them from the narrative because the narrative is a a deeper part of the meaning of the game than just the basic mechanics that you're performing if that makes sense yeah and so thinking about the uh game mechanics player participation story um and then the way that those kind of come together all become part of how the game creates the effect for the player and then creates uh, more opportunity for uh, that analysis of thinking through, I just experienced something in this game. Uh, what what was it? What, what, what is the magic uh, that enabled that? Usually extraordinarily complex, uh, the way that you know, game developers are able to you know, create these uh, moments that we just take for granted as we're uh, playing a game or something like that. You mentioned um, in your dissertation, you uh, thinking about now thinking about the game study side, but also the theology side, how those come together. Uh, You call this approach theoludology, um, kind of bringing together both of these uh, disciplines. So like, what do you mean by this? Uh, And uh, what are some of the major moves you make uh, in your study or your approach to bringing these two uh, disciplines together that uh, most people would not uh, consider to be, um, you know, dialogue partners. I guess in popular uh, thinking, those would be diametrically opposed to one another. Um, so, how do you bring those together, and what do you mean by theoludology? Right. So, in the lead up to that part in the dissertation, you know, where I actually explain what I mean by a theoludological approach and and kind of the method that's being used there to analyze a video game or to dialogue with a video game from a theological perspective, kind of in the run up to that with what I was doing in the earlier chapters in the dissertation and in building a case for taking video games seriously, um, I recognized that sort of the, the approaches that were used to engage with other media theologically were not going to be sufficient for games. And what I mean by that is you could not take, say, like an approach that's being used to engage with film theologically and then just mm-hmm. simply translate that over into video games and expect it to work. And the reason that that's the case is because as I was working my way through the game studies literature and as I made the case in the dissertation leading up to that point, um, games are their own unique medium in that they're participatory in a way that other media is not participatory. By that, I mean, is like, you know, you as the player, you have to actually play the game. You have to be the one who is controlling the game, who's making decisions, who's performing the actions in the game in order for it to have any meaning. 
And so as a result of that, I realized that whatever type of framework I was going to develop and, and, and it being insufficient for it to just be simply a theological framework, I knew that whatever framework I had to develop had to have an element in which it took games seriously as games themselves and recognized their uniqueness compared to other media. Mm -hmm. So essentially what I did with developing my framework and calling it a, a theoludological framework is to take theological components of what you would expect in terms of theological interaction with any you know, popular culture uh, medium, taking those and then also wedding those with a framework that would be used to analyze a game if you were just approaching it strictly from a game studies perspective. Mm -hmm. So what I did with the framework then is I, I took sort of a theological framework that was more or less kind of um, inspired by the Wesleyan quadrilateral and took that and, and melded it together with a game studies framework in terms of recognizing these various components of what it means for a game to be a game and how a game communicates its meaning so that I could bring those those two together to to create a framework that kind of took both sides equally seriously with one another if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah that, i like that um idea too of uh we care about deeply in biblical studies uh reading the bible on its own terms and doing exegesis versus eisegesis um, but it seems like your approach, too, is to allow the cultural text to be exegeted as well on its own terms uh, before you do um, or alongside of or prior to the actual engagement theologically. Because um, sometimes I'm reading popular level um, approaches to cultural engagement with uh, pop culture or video games or, or any cultural text, really. And either it's really good, robust biblical theology of something, and then the uh, cultural text connection is just either an illustration or like they're making a point about the movie or the cultural or Pirates of the Caribbean or something. And it's like, I get what you're saying because I'm on board with your theological point. But if you go into a room <laughs> and there's a bunch of us nerds in there, we're just going to start arguing with you about the actual point you're making about the Star Wars uh, uh, legendarium or something. <laughs> and that's a dangerous place to be. But I think part of it is it's not even an argument uh, about the uh, the actual cultural text, the movie, the film, the game, because it's like it's very clear when someone is talking about a game or something that they're just using kind of like a small point and they haven't really understood how that point works within the context of the game just like we're we have uh, as a biblical and theological you know theologian or um you know even a, a pastor is going to be able to sniff out really quickly if a somebody is talking about the bible uh or a theological point and just makes you know uh, just this horrible proof text or you know eisegetical move uh, but really isn't very concerned about reading the cultural text on its own terms um, so it seems like if you're going to do this type of approach, it's kind of what you were talking about before. It's going to require you to think carefully about the movie, the film, the book, the video game, as well as the theological or biblical point, and then also some extra work of thinking about how those uh, relate to one another. Um, so as you're thinking about how does the approach that that you take help you as a 
you know, a, a theologian and a thinker that, you know, you have some confessional commitments. How does that allow you to navigate the engagement with like video games or popular culture in a way that would be different if you didn't have that framework? Um, yeah, that's a great point. And uh, kind of building off of, of what you said there in, in the lead up to the, to the question, you're exactly right in terms of there needing to be a level at which I could engage with game studies and, and um, you know, literature within game studies at that level and be taken seriously. So, I mean, it was very important to me when it came to the dissertation itself and, and developing the framework that I would not get absolutely destroyed by someone who was, say, like an actual academic in game studies, if they were to like pick up my dissertation, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they would, but let's say they encountered yeah. it, you know, <laughs> randomly or whatever. They're like, oh, this is interesting, you know, a theological interaction with video games. Let me see what this looks like. I didn't want someone who, say, was an academic within game studies as a discipline to pick up my dissertation and flip through it and take a look at my framework and be like, this guy has absolutely no idea what he's talking mm -hmm. about because he's just a theological guy who is trying to interact with video games, but it's clear that he doesn't possess the level of knowledge that he would need or the level of competence that he would need to be able to interact with us on the mm -hmm. academic level. So in, in response to what you're saying there, you know, we, I think within gaming culture, just in general, and, and here I'm speaking more at the popular level rather than the academic level, there are a certain number of shibboleths within the, the gaming culture, if you will, to where someone knows almost instinctively or within a matter of minutes whether or not someone actually knows what they're talking about when it comes mm -hmm. to video games. And it's very acute within, within gaming culture for whatever reasons. I, I don't know exactly what those might be, and that might be something that's worthy of you know, a sociological um, study of some sort. But for whatever reason, within gaming culture in particular, it's very acute in terms of whether or not someone knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And as I was working my way through the, the theological literature leading up to the, the dissertation and some of the limited interaction that I saw on the academic level with theology and video games, you know, I'm not going to name any names or, or name any volumes or essays or anything like that. But something that I picked up on rather quickly in, in reading through a lot of that literature was a lot of these guys are just approaching it from a theological theological perspective and don't really know what they're talking about when it comes right. to video games, right? I mean, it's like they may have watched a couple of, of YouTube videos or whatever, and then mm -hmm. now they're going to write a theological essay on a video game, and that just doesn't cut it, you know? I mean, it's like you could I could instantly see whether or not someone – like within the first couple of pages of their essay – I knew whether or not they had extensive experience playing video games. And I would say that for just about anyone within gaming culture who would say pick up a volume like that and read those essays or read, um, you know, those monographs, they would be able to, to suss it out, you know, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So this kind of a roundabout way of getting, you know, to your question, I kind of wanted to frame it within those terms of the dissertation itself. And I wanted to make sure that as I was approaching that, I, I, did so in a way that respected games for what they were, that was respected them as a medium that was worthy of academic interaction and study just simply on its own merits prior to even attempting to engage with them theologically. Mm -hmm. So in so doing, you know, I, I tried to make sure that with my framework that I developed, that it, it adequately um, considered both of those elements, both of the theological, uh, excuse me, the theological side 
but as well as the ludological side in terms of, of game studies and being able to demonstrate that level of, of competence. So what's interesting and what I found, you know, um, subsequent to that point, you know, this is post-dissertation here, is back in 2017, I um, presented a paper at the Popular Culture Association annual conference mm -hmm. within their game studies um, sort of subdivision or uh, I forget what they call them there, but essentially it's kind of like its own study area, right? And what was interesting about that is, you know, I was the only person who was approaching any type of game from a theological perspective during that that session of, of the conference and within game studies. But it was almost, uh, I mean, it was very interesting to me that that didn't matter to them at all. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like they appreciated the fact that I was someone who was an outsider, right? Because I'm not a game studies academic, but I was willing to try to interact with them and I was willing to present a paper interacting with them at their level that they would expect someone to interact with them at uh, if I were, say, a game studies academic, if that right. makes sense. And so even though I had confessional pre-commitments that I that I admitted up front, even in you know the presentation of my paper itself, they respected that I was approaching it with confessional pre-commitments, but was still willing to engage with them at the level that they would expect someone to engage them at um, in terms of of game studies. Right. So uh, kind of a roundabout way of, of getting to your question there, but I hope kind of all of that taken together provides a better understanding of what I was right. going for and what it is that I'm trying to do. Yeah, and I hear you kind of uh, articulating kind of like a, a ethic of theological engagement at the academic level of respecting participants in this game studies enough to understand what they're actually saying and then responding to that versus, you know, kind of coming in with a predisposed framework. This reminds me of uh, this type of dynamic. A couple of years ago, we were interacting online about what remains of Edith Finch on Twitter. And one of the game devs, because of, of course we were tagging some of these guys and had this kind of thread about discussing the theological engagement with this game. And he just, uh, one of the devs just, you know, just said uh, very briefly, okay, I'll bite. Like, what are y'all talking about? Like, what, what, how, how does this relate to one another? And I, I thought that was interesting because one, it's, you know, it's fine. And uh, probably someone that's going to basically absolutely reject the interpretation of the game that we've given, perhaps. Uh, but at the same time, it's still, uh, it's still clear that we actually played the game and appreciate the game, like for what it is. Um, and so we're kind of responding to it, which is kind of the, uh, you know, the goal of the, you know, the production of art, you know, people are going to respond to it in different ways. Uh, but the, even the, even when someone goes a completely different direction uh, than, you know, somebody uh, who worked on uh, the game or something, there would not have even been the interest of like, okay, I'll buy it. What are you talking about? If it was very clear that we had no, no knowledge of the game itself, we hadn't played it, and we were just using it as a you know a whipping boy or as a example in some other argument that we were trying to make. Um, so I think the like what you're discussing about you have to have a kind of a deep understanding of both disciplines in order to bring them into dialogue with one another. Yeah, and I've wondered about that too, uh, honestly. And it's a, a point that I brought up in the dissertation as well. Is you know is perhaps the reason there has been so little theological engagement with video games you know seriously at the academic level is part of the reason because there's just so few who are well versed mm -hmm. enough in both to actually to pull that off 
Um, and I don't know, I mean, I don't mean that, you know, I want to be careful. I don't want to come across from like an elitist perspective, right? And being mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm one of the few who, who are able to do this. Right, you know, right. There, there aren't very many of us. And, and so I don't mean it that way at all. Rather, I mean it in the sense of, I wish there were more who were, I guess, trained theologically and also had enough experience with games to be able to interact with them in this manner, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, so, I, I think know, that's right. It's also an interest level, uh, you know, because there's I know that when I go to uh, our academic theology conferences, I know that there are gamers among us, uh, but the uh, whether or not you want to. Uh, admit to the scholarly guild that you play games or that you are willing to publish them, uh, publish about them or something like that. That's a different story. But, you know, in terms of interest as well, someone that is interested in the academic study of games oftentimes might be a Christian or might think theologically, but has no interest in the academic discussion of theology. And then someone that is working in academic theology or in those areas of biblical and theological studies might be a gamer, but has no interest in doing academic work on games. So it it kind of has to be all the all the planets align, um, especially when you're doing interdisciplinary study. Um, you have one the challenges. Both of our dissertations were interdisciplinary, which is fun and exciting. But the uh, the high risk, high reward is that you don't have a discipline, <laughs> right? And people will think that you have no discipline. Um, but it, it is one of the, it can be exciting as well because you're tapping into um, some possibilities in both directions. Just kind of moving along, what do you think about that as you're thinking about, can you think of any examples, maybe a game or maybe an issue where the theological training or theological component of this helped you see something more that was going on in a game? And then also thinking carefully about a game or experiencing a game helped you think, more carefully about an area of theology. Um, do you have any examples or play with that idea? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would say going back to the dissertation and one of the games, you know, the, I had to show or demonstrate that the framework was viable. It wasn't enough just simply to present or propose the framework and then just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So in the final chapter of the game, I uh, or final chapter of the dissertation, rather, I analyze um, a game and, and use the framework to analyze a game. It's called Journey. It was a game that was released at least initially exclusively for PlayStation, but I think now you can. Uh, it's on maybe it's on Steam. I can't remember, mm-hmm. uh, but it's available for PC now uh, and Mac and even iOS, I believe. And that was a game that was in, in, intentionally by its creators. You know, based on on reading information about it. The, the creators intended for it to be very widely open to theological interpretation. And so they weren't necessarily intending to make a statement as in like, you know, a theological statement definitively, um, right? Saying that this is, you know, this is our, our meta narrative, or this is, you know, our particular interpretation of the events that are happening in this game. We're trying to say something specifically about God or say something specifically about the Christian faith. They were intending to be as as broad and open-ended as they could so that it would afford a wide variety of different theological or even philosophical interpretations. And so what I did then is applied my framework to it to show how the game could actually be interpreted in a Christian theological uh, sense and you know what some of the the insights were that you might be able to draw from that 
and it's kind of difficult to explain without trying to explain the game itself you know in, in terms of our time here on on this podcast and so it, it probably right. is beyond the scope of what we have here to kind of explain the way that the narrative works and the way the mechanics work and what you're doing in the game and mm-hmm. and how it builds to you know the ultimate sort of crescendo at the end in, in which you know you would you would see the most explicit theological interpretation of what's happening there but that would be an example that i would point to in terms of of applying the framework and, and how I think it's a game that lends itself well to, to theological interpretation. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that, in terms of what you said, in terms of thinking more carefully theologically, I would say even so on a, on a cultural level or in terms of the way that, that we approach um, theology or ways that even, you know, those who are not necessarily Christians think through the meta narratives that that are a part of of their lives or think mm-hmm. through you know their um theological implications of, of of what their daily lives are like or what they you know actually believe what's really interesting and i won't necessarily say this as applied to one game specifically because there are a number of games that would fit this paradigm but within japanese role-playing games in particular the death of god is a mm. very prominent theme that's present within a lot of them in which you have the main characters who are either rebelling against the gods or rebelling against the religious society that they find themselves in. And a lot of times ultimately ending up killing these supposed gods that are at the heads of the religions that are built within these game worlds. And so, you know, I find that to be very interesting and I've I've kind of wondered and thought through some of the implications of that before in terms of, what's going through the minds of, of the creators, right, in terms right. Of, of what would cause them to want to develop games with that theme, and how does that necessarily apply to what they themselves believe? You know, is it some of their own personal beliefs that are somehow sort of coming out in the narratives and in the, in the gameplay mechanics that they're developing there, where you have these characters who are part of this religious society, right, who ultimately end up learning that the gods are, are false, right, or learning that they have the ability to actually destroy these gods and and thus eliminate you know the religion and the religion's effects Mm -hmm. on the societies within the games things like that so even just from my my perspective in terms of being a believer myself and and being someone who is theologically trained you know it it causes me to think okay well what are some similarities that i might find even within say a, a more american individualistic culture that's that's more eastern right in terms of japanese role playing games and so their culture is, is obviously very different from a Western, more Western and individualistic one. But still, you know, it makes me wonder and makes me think through a lot of cultural narratives that I encounter now, whether video games or even something else, in terms of thinking about what might actually be going on behind the scenes, what is going through the minds of their creators, mm-hmm. uh, and that is causing them, if you will, or influencing them to develop these narratives in, in the ways that they are. Right. Yeah, in some ways, like the the Inklings, Lewis, and Tolkien uh, discussions about there are these uh, Christian themes in these epic stories, uh, because this is partly embedded into our father's world, right? This uh, These patterns and structures of story. So kind of the same thing as a video game is a cultural text that, as you're mentioning, has human producers that are telling stories and that are bringing uh, bringing about player experiences. Uh, what that reflects implicitly, 
about just the nature of stories, the nature of the human experience. But also, as you're talking about explicitly, uh, oftentimes games are explicitly and directly talking about theological things, like you mentioned the death of God or um, characters and um, allusions to biblical and theological themes. And so just even considering um, the way that they are handling those themes and how it might contrast or complement um, something that from as a trained theologian you would think is true or false, but also just thinking about your knowledge of the um, the theological idea that is being played with is going to enhance your player experience, but also allow, give you some tools to um, navigate some of these and recognize some of the claims that are being made uh, or the subject matter that's being addressed or you know, displayed uh, in the cultural text in the, in the game itself. As we're kind of co- coming to this last section of, you know, kind of our discussion, um, s- some people listening might be thinking this has uh, the academic discussion has no bearing. Um, you, you're either really at this point, you're either like super fascinated with what we're talking about or you're <laughs> like really bored and you're you're only listening to, uh, as, um, you know, just because you're my friend or something. But like if I'm a pastor or a professor um, or any type of leader uh, in the in the Christian community, um, how would you answer this the, the question about like why should I care about video games, about video game communities, about the stories and experiences that are happening uh, in video games or, or really just pop culture in general? What would you say uh, to the pastor or professor that's thinking there's no reason to engage theologically video games or any of those others. Uh, what are some of the things that you might um, say to encourage someone to uh, at least be mindful of some of these things? Sure. I, I mean, I think the way that I would summarize my response to that, that I'll kind of unpack here, is that you need to recognize that video games are formative experiences for the people who play them. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by that is you know, here I am, let, you know, let's say I'm, I'm teaching a course, right, as a professor in Spurgeon College, right? And I've got a bunch of 18 to 20 year olds in there in my Christian doctrine class. And I can no longer work from the assumption that the majority of the students in the course do not play video games on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Rather, my assumption actually needs to be the inverse of that, right, which is that the majority of the students in my course actually do play video games on a regular basis, have played video games on a regular basis ever since childhood, and that the playing of those video games were formative experiences for them. So whether that's you know for good or for ill, I'm not trying to debate that. I'm more so recognizing that just simply as, as a matter of fact. So I need to approach my understanding of, you know, if I'm a professor, knowing that my students nowadays, right, the majority of them are going to be those who either previously had extensive video game experience or previously had extensive video game experience and continue to do so, right? It's not something that they're just jettisoning out and saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm an adult now or I'm a college student now. It's time for me to get rid of these, these video games. That's not really the case. I mean, the majority of them are still going to be playing video games, hopefully maybe not quite as you know, much of a level as they were you know, back in high school, um, since they have more responsibilities now. But they're still going to be playing them regularly in most cases, and they're still going to be having these experiences that they may not themselves describe as formative, which are, but are nonetheless formative for them, right? Even if they're not necessarily describing them that way. 
So when you think of it in those terms and you recognize, you know, what video games have become, that they're no longer the the bleeps and bloops of, you know, the, the arcade screens playing Space Invaders, right, or something like that. Instead, they are these, you know, massive AAA undertakings that involve millions upon millions of dollars in production value, um, you know, in terms of the production values at the same level of Hollywood movies, even that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And these are experiences that people are having that are formative for them in the sense that they are, you know, there's worldviews that are present within those. There are truth claims that are being make it, being made within those that the, uh, you know, the creators are making, whether intentionally or even kind of even sort of at the subconscious level, even in terms of with the narrative that they're conveying. And so in recognizing that level of influence that they have on on players and the people who play them, I think honestly is is really essential to understanding even sort of the cultural moment that we that we find ourselves in now. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, you know, I, I would consider say like where we are presently to be what you might call a ludic age in which video games are the entertainment medium of choice for an increasingly large number of individuals that adults who grew up playing video games have not by and large given them up and you know are at a point to where they no longer play them anymore um you know recognizing and kind of eliminating some of the misconceptions regarding video games recognizing things like you know the the average video game player is like i'm trying to remember what the most recent statistic is but i think it's like 34 years old Mm -hmm. Uh, most video games are created for adults you know more video games are created for adults than are created for children it's just uh, the nature of the industry, right? It's recognizing the level of cultural influence that it has and knowing as a pastor or knowing as a professor that the majority of the individuals that I'm either going to be teaching in the classroom or that I'm going to be preaching to from the pulpit are people mm-hmm. who have extensive video game experience in, in their lives and probably in many cases continue to do so. Right. So to the extent that I get up there and if I say like insult them culturally or, you know, play into stereotypes like dude who is in his mid thirties or early forties and still lives with his parents and sits in the basement and plays video games all day, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. To the extent that I, I have that mentality, I'm actually going to, to be distancing myself from my congregation or from the students in my classroom and not really understanding the environment that they find themselves in and not understanding the types of, of narratives that they intentionally immerse themselves in most frequently. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say, you know, that that it's that exclusively, right? I'm not, I don't mean that they play video games and they don't also watch right. movies or TV shows or whatever. It's just that video games are part of that no, normal cultural diet, if you will, of the types of media that they're consuming. And so, you know, I, I would summarize it by saying, you know, recognizing the, the formative role that those have in people's lives and re- and then understanding from my perspective as a pastor or as a professor that I am ministering to people or, or teaching people who have that as their predominant cultural context. I, I really appreciate that kind of uh, perspective. You know, alongside of that, as you're talking about as these uh, as someone encounters a game that is well produced that has an engaging story and then recognizing the participatory part of the medium the fantasy in that sense is that you're you're part of the story and you're bringing the story about 
uh, as part of the experience of the video game, uh, especially when someone encounters a really well done produced game like that. Even if someone like watches a movie or maybe a season of their favorite show comes out and they binge watch it over the weekend and you say, well, this is an incredible amount of time, you know, maybe 13 episodes, 13 hours. Some of the most uh, well produced games are, you know, 30 or 40 hours and maybe even more uh, that someone is experiencing this immersive experience recognizing that that's a formative experience gives you an added sense of uh, urgency to at least be aware of of the effect it's having on you as a player and then as you're dialoguing with people um, in that regard i had three examples just quick ones um in terms of cultural capital at the university in the dorms the all you know we have students who have their um, uh, consoles connected um, to the uh, network and the call of duty update went live one tuesday at one o'clock and it shut down our servers like on campus our (laughs) wi-fi because everybody's uh, consoles were set to automatically update and the they gave like a 45 gig update for the next uh, season or whatever and so instead of and it shut down the network and it was scrambling but instead of sending them emails saying you shouldn't be doing this and everybody disconnect their, uh, you know, and don't do this, they created a dedicated server just for the COD update. Um, so <laughs> I think I always thought that's, that's a amazing. fascinating example of the email was, hey, if you're doing this, we set up a dedicated server for you just to download this particular update. And I thought, one, that was an amazing response. Uh, uh, but two, it got our network back on. But it also indicated very clearly how many of our students were uh, connected with a console and were also connected to that particular game. The other examples I was thinking about, like this connection between uh, church, why why would this be significant for you? I remember uh, even just the discussion of like the role of lament in the church, of thinking through you know the way that we sometimes speak of death in the church. Uh, almost as a euphemism uh, versus uh, I remember hearing this in uh, a church service one Sunday, uh, but then also I just finished playing uh, a game, What Remains of Edith Finch, and uh, something similar, That Dragon Cancer, where the game itself is uh, a walking simulator. So the point is not to level up and get more and more powerful, but to find different items, reflect on things, Uh, But the games themselves were about death and encountering and experiencing that type of situation, but also processing that situation. So over the course of the playthroughs of those games, it forced me to slow down and to think about this as experience where my tendency would be to not think about it, <laughs> to think about something else, to use something, some other concept to uh, not do that. And so I remember playing some of these games and the fact that I was having to slow down and think about these uh, particular uh, death and what that experience was like and thinking through these things, it caused me to reflect on death that I'd experienced in my family in a way that I hadn't in a long time. Um, and that caused me to reflect on these things. Um, and so it just struck me in that particular weekend, sometimes the disconnect of the space that here's a secular game and then one was um, a, a religious-based uh, game where there was time and uh, and 
a medium in which I was forced to and thought through because if I wanted to keep playing the game, I would continue to have to think in these terms and think about some of these things. But sometimes in, you know, just the typical church service, there's not there's not time to for extended reflection on death, Uh, even as we're we're making a, a bullet train to resurrection or hope. It was that long extended time that I was able to spend in those games thinking about uh, the nature of that and then connecting it with um, some of those realities. So even something like that, here is a, I remember thinking um, it would be sad if a video game was what allowed me to tap into and deal with some of these emotions uh, because there wasn't that space available um, in in the church or the, the, you know, a typical church service. So even just it, that has been uh, for the last, you know, several years, that was one of the prompts that caused me to think through, well, what is the role of lament in a, in corporate worship and in private devotion? Those, those types of things like that. Whereas part of what did that was the medium of the game itself, but also the, it was a high, a well-produced uh, game. Uh, but just thinking about, it was a personal experience, but it also uh, caused me to think, think about uh, church experience, also, you know, some the theological theme uh, of lament or something something along those lines. So, so thinking about those possibilities. And then even when you experience games with other people, those are powerful uh, experiences that are part of, you know, for a lot of people, a tightly knit community um, that, you know, for, for some rival other communities, like even a church community. Um, so thinking about some of those uh, directions would be uh, helpful for a pastor or a leader to think about or at least be aware of. Um, and we, we could probably even say that stronger as if we think about pop culture in general, not letting that dominate, but being aware, being aware of it and the way that it uh, functions in our society, but also the way that our people that we're trying to lead or teach, it's affecting them. It's them as well. So I appreciate the way that you framed uh, your your answer to that question. I think that's I think that's really helpful. Yeah, and I appreciate with your response there, with both the points that you gave as as well as the examples, and just kind of piggybacking off of that just a little bit here. Um, I won't take too much time doing this, but when it comes to my Christianity in the Arts course that I teach in Spurgeon College. Um, we leave as the final art form that we cover at the end of the semester video games. Mm-hmm. And so students who come into the course at the front end, you know, a lot of times I, I get kind of some skeptical responses there, at least initially, you know, from some of them are like, what video games, treating video games as art, you know, that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. So we kind of build that case and we, we talk about games at the end of the semester. But what's, what's interesting is how invariably at the end of the semester, every single time I've taught the course, I'll always get at least one student, and in many cases, it's more, who want to talk to me after class. And they're like, you know, whoa, let me tell you about this game that I played and how it made me think of. And they're drawing parallels to theological concepts or or things that they're thinking through on, on a theological level that the game sort of helped them either think through in a way that they hadn't thought about it before or maybe mm-hmm. help them sort of refine their thoughts so that they could then respond to the truth claims that were being made by the, by the game itself. Right. So I would kind of use that to, you know, kind of parallel your example that you gave there regarding Edith Finch, but then also um, kind of parallel to that as well regarding the community aspect. Um, I think that that's a great point as well, because within video game culture, a lot of times uh, it's very irreligious if not anti-religious. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have a number of, of 
players within video game communities who are either atheists or even say anti-religious atheists, right? Who are not just non-religious, but uh, are actively opposed to mm-hmm. any type of organized religion. And what's interesting is that when you're describing, you know, those video game communities that sin- that seem to develop or center around certain shared experiences, a lot of times I think that for those who are not believers, those end up becoming competitive, if you will, or they, right. be- they become a competitor to the type of religious community that you are supposed to experience within the context of a local church, right? right. That type of yeah. thing. Uh, the koinonia, if you want to call it that, right? There's mm-hmm. there's a koinonia that's present in some of these video game communities that rivals, or maybe even in some cases exceeds, if the church is not especially good at producing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the type of fellowship or community that you would expect to find within the Christian church. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't mean I don't mean that in the sense of you know oh video games are something we have to be careful of and watch out for right. you know or they're, right. or they're predominantly negative. I'm just saying that I can easily see why some of these types of communities develop in the ways that they do, given sort of some of the presuppositions and the, the non-theological commitments that a lot of the right. players in them have. Yeah, yeah, I think that's re- that's really helpful. In a lot of ways, a lot of us are more familiar are familiar with this idea that we've been talking about with books and movies or films or even uh, sports in America or you know around the world. The the ability for them to affect us, for them to you know as other art forms, they inspire us. They can create community. They are formative, and so in some ways, the modest point is to say that video games have risen to the level in which they can uh, be analyzed in the same way, but that they're also functioning in our culture in a similar way. As a kind of end, what what would you say, let's just, since we've been talking about video games, what would you say is one video game that if no one, if someone has never played or just kind of played a little bit and is interested in kind of theological engagement, what would be one good place to start? What one game? And then what is the game that you've been playing recently? We'll just end it there. Um, so in terms of video game to start with, I think two of the games that we've already mentioned over the course of the podcast would both be great ones to consider, Journey or uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Mm-hmm. Both of those are relatively short and relatively accessible. So you know, for someone who doesn't have a lot of extensive experience playing video games and they're looking for kind of an entry point that's not too yeah. large of a time commitment, I think either one of those would serve really well or both of those. So I think in terms of of journey, that can be completed like within two to three hours total. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same for what remains of Edith Finch, very close to that. Um, And both of those are are easily accessible for people to kind of dip their toes into the water, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, Video game that I've played uh, recently that I would recommend. Let me think of. I just recently started Horizon Zero Dawn, finally getting into that. But I haven't gotten haven't gotten very far yet on it. That's good. Uh, I would say, <laughs> I would say um, that Dragon Cancer is a good, quick um, video uh, or video game that, especially if someone's interested in like, how could this actually uh, engage something theologically? Um, that would be a good example to do. And then recently, I've been playing uh, Halo Infinite as um, not all day, every day, but <laughs> it has been the winter <laughs> break, and so I'm having to. Uh, put down, uh, put down my Spartan, um, and get back to 
constructing syllabi. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> any final words or final thoughts? Um, only a final thought or final word that I would offer would be, you know, for those who are out there and maybe are theologically inclined or are academics themselves, or even just Christians who are somewhat embarrassed when it comes to <laughs> to games, and you know that they, they they don't want it necessarily to be public knowledge the the level to which they interact with or engage with video games. Um, I would just encourage you to to reach out to to people like me or or to Ched, and uh, you know just talk to us. And uh, you know it's it's fun to have fellow like minded believers or even fellow like minded um, academics who who take games seriously and are willing to interact with them on that level. And uh, so don't be afraid to put yourself out there. At least um, contact someone privately who is similarly minded. I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good word. Yeah, this it's a safe place. This conversation is between you, me, and whoever follows me on Twitter. Um, so that's good. <laughs> Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Sure, yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks for the invitation. Three sixty. No scope.